Episode number three, Short Guy, Tall Dreams. The world-famous El Guapo, George Cuevas, in the house. Yo, George, George, George. What's <laughs> up, man? How are you, Sam? That's a nice jam you, you had going there. I know. It's kind of yeah. some mellow vibes, yeah. right? Okay, good. I know. It's a California weed thing. I don't know, man. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just messing around. Hey, so uh, we've got Short Guy Tall Dreams here again. Um, we are bringing in an awesome friend of mine to come and hang out today in studio. And we're just going to talk. There's just a lot of stuff to talk about, actually. And and um, George has got this really crazy, colorful history and life, and I'm just excited to have you on, man. Uh, I'm glad to be here, man. Uh, the first episode we had recorded was awesome. It oh, really? You had to rub that it. in my face? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> well, 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 we'll let everyone know. This is round two, and, and this is what happens when you're podcasting. Sometimes the old episodes get lost, and so I'm glad we get to kind of revisit again and, uh, and, and try to recapture that first conversation. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, man, there's nothing like fat fingers or just a lack of certain technological skill sets, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, nothing like taking the amazing conversation we had and completely erasing it in about yeah. two seconds flat. Yeah. Um, hey, by the way, do we want those lights on? Um, lights are fine. Okay. Yeah, right, cool. Yeah, they're cool. fine. They're, they're good enough. Yeah, I just figured you're a pretty handsome guy, so just, you know, <laughs> want to make sure we get it all captured on video. I'm just kidding, man. Um, Hey, so George, it's uh, it was such a wealth of information that you shared, and I think it's so cool because um, I, a lot of people, obviously on the West Coast, probably have a fascination fasc, fascination if they've never been to the Midwest or even to the East for that matter uh, with Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. Chi Town, right. Chi Town, yeah. Chi Town, Chi Town. We okay. can call it Chi Town. Okay, good. All right, <laughs> not that anybody really does, do they? <laughs> Is, is, is that kind of just a stupid Hollywood thing? Yeah. Well, no, like there are people that do say it, but um, but like you wouldn't open up a conversation and say like, yeah, I'm from Chi-Town. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it just, I'm sorry. It you just know, sounds dumb. Chicago enough. Like just saying Chicago. Chicago's a cool uh, city name. It's it's got, It's got some kind of tribal uh, Indian background. Yeah, there's a, it, yeah. So. Uh, but uh, but yeah, just saying Chicago is uh, is the jam. It's cool, yeah, that's the way to do cool. it. It's cool enough. It was cool enough for the Blues Brothers. It's cool enough for us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> good point. Very good point. Well, man, so you're you're from uh, you're from Chicago, and uh, you're actually not too much of a. You're actually a relatively recent transplant to California, right? Um, right. We, we've been here for at the time of this recording. Uh, I mean, literally got here last November, so just over a month or a year. Oh, California. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so you broke the one year anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. We made our one year. Okay. Any regrets? No, no, no regrets at all. The, uh, the, the making the move to California, I think it depends where you're coming from. So if you're coming from a state like Illinois, we have corrupt politics. Uh, our state is like $21 billion in debt. Um, you know, we have high taxes and uh, we have all the great, wonderful things that California has, minus the weather. Uh, so, so, so Chicago or Chicago itself and the state of Illinois are not, um, they're very, they're, they're, their politics leans progressive and then they're, um, uh, and, and, you know, the state of inefficiency in, <laughs> in government is definitely there. So, so, so we're and high gas prices, like all those things we're kind of used to. So I think if we were coming from a state like Tennessee or Texas and moving into California, that would, that would have been a much bigger, 
shock with that kind of stuff. It would have been sticker shock. Is yeah, what yeah, would sticker shock. You yeah. would definitely got. Yeah, yeah. No, ain't nobody coming to California right now, man. So you are a rare yeah. breed. But then, it, like you, you, you quantified it pretty well. Uh, if you come from a place where there's insanity and you're going to another place where there's insanity but better beaches, mm-hmm. yeah. or actually just beaches in general. Beaches and mountains and great weather. It's oh, just, yeah, dude. I mean, the weather the weather component of being in Southern California is pretty incredible. Like, not ever really having to worry about weather, and the weather doesn't guide what you're doing. Like, it doesn't, like, you know, like in Chicago or anywhere in the Midwest, the, the weather guides everything. It, it, it dictates when you're going to have a family barbecue. It dictates uh, it dictates so much of your life. And then yeah. here, it's just having it the same all the time is, is incredible. No, I, I completely agree. I tell people, especially down here in San Diego, like, uh, I, I'm an L.A. kid. Yeah. So I actually grew up in eastern L.A., right? And that that is a whole story unto itself. But um, grew up in eastern L.A., and, uh, you know, military is what brought me to San Diego ultimately. So there's all that. And then... Um, really got into motorcycles. Right. So right. I'm a big Harley guy. This this is my jam. Um, if 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 I'm not here recording, if I'm not doing something adult like, then I'm probably on my motorcycle, yeah. running around. And what's really crazy is, um, so first of all, you don't ride in L.A. or Orange County unless you have a death certificate already out for yourself, because <laughs> trying to ride through that is just nuts. Um, San Diego is getting there too, but uh, you know the thing I love about San Diego is simply this: you get coastal riding. Mm-hmm. city riding, desert riding, and mountain riding all within less than two hours. Right, right, right. And, and yeah, you're right. I think like in L.A., it's just because it's so big. It's, uh, and if you, depending on where you live, uh, if you're not living on the outside already, to get to the mountains and get to the desert, yeah. it's, a much, it's a much bigger haul. But yeah, here it's pretty, e- it's, it's a small, skinny sliver of land that everyone lives on in San Diego, like between the, the, the ocean to the mountains. Yeah, it is. It, it's not that, it's just this long little sliver of land. It's not that wide. Okay, I'm going to probably kill this because my, my, uh, one of my colleagues hates me because I always say this to him. So did you know that the county of San Diego is actually around the same size or a little bit larger than the state of Connecticut? No. Yeah. Like, it's that big? It's that big, man. Or is Connecticut that small? <laughs> <That's it. laughs> uh, you know, I'm a short guy, so I'm going to go with it's that big. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right? But it's, it is that big, man, compared to Connecticut. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we, we're, we're, we've got some serious terrain here, like yeah. serious geography. Yeah, the, the, and that's, that's one of the beautiful things about living here is like everywhere you go, just even just driving here to record the podcast, um, you know, I took the 15 down from Oceanside or up there in North County. And, and I mean, it's just, it's, it's beautiful. You know, like you're going through mountains and there's mountains everywhere. Whereas like in LA, it's a lot, LA reminds me a lot of Chicago in so many ways, yeah. especially when I'm in the city, like it, actually in the city, it's very urban. There's lots of concrete, lots of graffiti on the concrete. <laughs> and, and Lots and, of poop too now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, like uh, uh, LA definitely has like that urban vibe going on to it. Whereas San Diego is just sort of like, um, kind of like this mega suburban sort of with mountains paradise. Yeah, thing. we're well. Okay, so um, you know, I, I dabble in the real estate industry, right? That's my that's my adulting gig. Yeah, and I'll say this, man, it's uh, it is a very different vibe um, when you're in this business environment here, and I think that's I think it kind of applies to SoCal. Our, our business used to be filled with people who are like, you need to be dressed to the nines, right? Right, and it's like uh, not in San Diego, you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the last guy I used to work for is my is a mentor. I love this guy to pieces. His name is Greg. And 
I remember the first time he took over as a regional leader for our company, mm-hmm. the last company I was at. And he uh, puts in his uh, invitation notes, um, come casual, mm-hmm. which was really it weirded everybody out. Because the last few people before that were always like, you need to be dressed up and you need to, for what? And then his office was on the beach in Laguna. It was in the Laguna okay. Beach area. So he had an office that overlooked the beach, the yeah. coastline. Um, and he literally showed up. There was a, I remember walking to his office for the first time. There was a, there was a, a longboard in the corner, pretty still dripping wet with a towel underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, his assistant was just sitting there in a chill T-shirt and jeans. And he walks in with board shorts and a polo shirt yeah. and flip-flops. And all of us, I mean, everybody's jaws drop. In my head, I'm like, yeah, that's my kind of guy. Yeah. And that's a San Diego vibe thing too, man. Yeah. People here are so much more laid back in general. Yeah. If you yeah. go downtown, people are a little frenetic and crazy. Yeah, but, but, but for the most part, everyone's chill and laid back. Like we've been here for one year and uh, we made a lot of new friends and, you know, and I'm out there trying to build a new business here. So, so you're out there meeting people constantly. And um, I, I, I haven't met any crazy people. Uh, I, I've met just like you're lucky. I met people that are very similar to the kind of people that I would have met back in the Midwest. Oh, like, okay. Yes. Okay. So like, I, like to me, I, I haven't seen a difference other than like the quirky things. Like, um, uh, you know, th- th- there's like those things like not, they're not even quirky, but you meet interesting people like guys that go surf every day. You yep. know, which is like, wow, that, that, that's just, that's nuts. Um, and then like, uh, people not knowing how to drive in the rain and, <laughs> and, and you, you know, like, um, really, you had yeah, to call that out. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> and it, you see like the quirky things, like there's Denny's everywhere. You know, I never seen so many Denny's like restaurants <laughs> and stuff. And, uh, and, oh, man. and Sizzler Steakhouses are all over the place. Oh, dude, you're just, and, you're and, going and, for the gold. And, and they love donuts here. Like, there's oh, like yeah, donut. we love donuts, man. Yeah, like that, which I love. Like, I, I think it's incredible that there's a donut shop in every town. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then, like the Californians, they love their donuts. They love their beer. There's a brewery everywhere. Yeah, well, San Diego uh, is, is the cool. largest brewery capital now. It's, it's yeah, the unofficial it's, brewery capital in the country. It's incredible. And it makes sense because there's a brewery in every town. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you could you can't get away from them, which is awesome. They're, it's super cool. So yeah, like like I said, uh, I think coming from the Midwest, uh, people here I think are all here for a similar reason uh, because of the lifestyle and the weather. And um, and, and you do get a lot. There, I, I have run into tons of Midwestern people too. That oh yeah, now. yeah. So. I think a combination of all that stuff makes everyone kind of chill, laid back, happy. But there's still like a hustle here. Uh, people are uh, oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, the, the hustle is still there. And um, uh, and then you got when you got that combined with the mountains and everything. Yeah, whether you do motorcycle, whether you're doing, whether you're a motorcycle guy like yourself, or you like doing the outdoor hiking thing, or you just want to enjoy good weather. There, everything that you could possibly want here. Yeah, no, it 100 percent is. And and I think the thing that's pretty crazy about. Um, the thing that's pretty crazy about think like so I've I've been to Chicago yeah and honestly like I love I love the food culture I love the the people are actually there's a lot of really good people in Chicago yeah, right yeah, absolutely and you're uh, you you and I were talking casually one time and you kind of told me that there's actually kind of a northern and a southern yeah. like there's it's it's broken up but I'll say this man um you know the one thing that Chicago does not have going for itself is mm-hmm. is apparently a very famous. A French actor, Juicy Smoulier, oh, yeah, Juicy right? Smoulier. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I know that's pretty funny, actually. It, what's funny is that when that story broke, um, and for some people who don't know it, it's um, uh, Jesse Smollett. I yeah. think his name is. He's yeah. an actor. They're filming some show called Empire. There, I've never seen the show. 
Um, so he has this claim that he got beat up by a bunch of uh, MAGA-wearing Trump supporters, <laughs> yeah. you know. Well, the night of this incident, what a lot of people don't know is that there was a polar vortex that was coming into Chicago. Now, the the whole – I grew up – I was born and raised in Chicago – I've never heard of a polar vortex before. Like, we never had one before. Like, we've had really, really cold weather, but there never was a polar vortex. But this time, we were hitting this record cold, and they were calling it a polar vortex. So that was setting in the night that this incident happened. So people in Chicago people are used to weather. Like, like we can battle out weather. But when it gets really bad, when you get one of these big, heavy snowstorms, um, the city will shut down, but it has to be really, really bad. It's got to be bad. Like, we're not going to hunker down for, for like two inches of snow. Like, uh-huh. that's a no-brainer, right? Zero degrees, no problem. But th- but we were heading for like, I think it was like negative 40 with the wind chill. Wow. That's what I was going to hit. So that incident takes place the night that this polar vortex is coming in. And everyone in Chicago, when it does, like I said, when the weather warning actually comes out, people hunker down. And so, so it's pretty the, serious. Yeah, yeah, it was serious, which means that people just in general in Chicago were they were grabbing milk and bread and food and movies and getting ready to hunker down their houses. And so this incident supposedly happens on that night. Oh, my gosh! Right. And which is just like like that just seems kind of odd to me, you know. And then on top of that, like Chicago is a diverse city in terms of the political opinions and stuff. Um, it's even though it it leans very left. And with towards progressive policies, uh, that doesn't mean the whole city is left. There's a Democrat machine in place um, uh, in the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois, which runs the politics to go Democrat. But um, if you look at the map, most of the state is red. Um, Mm. And and the Democrats still have people that vote that are that are deceased. You know, there's like these. There's a lot of controversy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all this voting stuff that happens uh, uh, within the city and everything. There's there's because of this machine that's in place. So, um, but but there's not a lot of uh, Trump supporters running around downtown Chicago (laughs) in the middle of the night of a polar vortex, which sounds scary as heck. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds that sounds legit. Well, too bad for Juicy. Uh, Looks like he really kind of killed Empire. (laughs) He got killed off as well as apparently as a character, but. Yeah, you know, I, I t- I'll tell you, man, when you kind of heard about how that all came about and how he got away with it, too, yeah. I think that was just so indicative of how, how corrupt politics actually is. Yeah, yeah. And listen, I, I'm going to say this because I'm, I'm okay with saying this. I'm a very middle-of-the-road kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have certain convictions and beliefs that I stand firmly in that I think are very right. Uh, but I also have worldviews that shift very left. Yeah. And so I kind of have this really balanced approach to looking at at our, our society as a whole or at large, um, which I think gives me some sanity. Because yeah. if you're too far on the right, you're insane. If you're too far on the left, you're insane. California is too far left. We're insane. Right. Illinois may not be insane, but Chicago definitely is. Yeah. And so I think that is really interesting because when you think about Chicago – that's one of the big things that stands out because that's also, you know, culture reference, pop culture reference today yeah. is uh, that whole incident. But, I mean, you take everything from Rom to Blagovich or what? Blagojevich. Yeah, Blagojevich. I mean, gosh, you take this long list and it's just like tragedy after tragedy in that city, yeah. man. Yeah. Well, you, so you told me before there are these kind of like quadrants of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. most towns do. Most large cities do. But yeah. you, you you gave me some insight and said that the, it was kind of north versus south. Is yeah, that right? Yes. Yeah. So in the city itself, the city split. 
uh, between South Chicago and North Chicago. Okay. And so you have Southsiders, and that's what I am. I'm a Southsider. Okay. And, and then you got the Northsiders. Okay. So these division lines existed from the very beginning, and they went even went all the way into the mob days. Really? So, so when the mob, uh, during the days of the mob, which is when Prohibition, when the mob, the mob was always there, but Prohibition helped them get to a whole other level. And you had South Side Gangs and the North Side Gangs. And then you had Roosevelt Avenue, which was pretty much like this. It's 12th Street, uh, which is the dividing line. It runs straight east-west down Chicago. And Capone was on one side. And um, I can't remember his first name, but his last name was Moran, was on the north side. Okay? So, like, you heard of the Valentine's Massacre? Uh, yeah. The, you know, the, oh, yeah. That, that incident? That, 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 was, that was a South Side Gang, Capone's Gang, hitting the uh, boss at, uh, of the North Side Gang up on the north side. Wow. Right, on Clark Street, where that incident happened. So so, so the North and South thing comes from the very, very beginning days of Chicago all the way into the mob days, and it continues to this day. And it's always been, you know, whether it was the mob or politics uh, uh, and, or, ethnic, or ethnicity, there, there's always been a split in, in the city like that. Now, and then the split even goes into baseball. So we have two baseball teams. We have the Chicago Cubs, which is the North Side team, and we have the Chicago White Sox, which is the South Side team. And since I'm a South Sider, I root for the White Sox. If the Cubs are in the World Series, I root against the Cubs. Wow. Yeah, because I don't because I hate the Cubs because I'm a South Sider. So it extends even to like our baseball. When it comes, football, hockey, basketball, we're all on the same team. But when it comes to baseball, we're very much like, you know, we don't, you know, I you know. Most Chicago Cubs fans are because of the 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 North Side too tends to be a little bit more democratic and a little bit more progressive. They'll cheer for the White Sox if the White Sox are winning because it's like, come on guys, we're all friends here. And then and Southsiders are much more blue collar, you know, and they tend to go a little bit more towards the right or just yeah. they're not as touchy feely, right? Right. So then you know, so for a, a White Sox fan, um, you know, we're. We're not. It's blood. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's blood. blood. Yeah. So in the, when the Cubs were in the World Series back in, I think it was the '90s or 2000s, they were um, uh, there was this famous catch that was made by this one kid. Um, the Cubs were like in a tough series with Miami, and uh, there was a uh, there was a hit over into right field or left field, and this uh, this one Chicago Cub fan, you know, all these fans were reaching out to grab a ball, you know, mm-hmm. and he caught the ball, but had he not caught the ball. It would have gone. Um, uh, it would have gone. It would have dropped, right? Mm-hmm. And then the Cubs could have made a play, and and and. But that catch changed the d- direction of the whole game, and the Cubs ended up losing that game, and then that they lost the series. But they they attributed the catch that this kid made by taking that ball out of play has the move that that kind of set off them not winning the the uh, the World Series that year. What? Yeah, and 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 when this guy when this guy did it, White Sox fans were like cheering. They even have a White Sox jersey with his name on it. You know, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but but yeah, but but that's how far we go. That's a, that's a pretty that's a blood feud. Yeah, that's like a I said, blood that feud. is a total blood. But it's feud. no it's no different between like I always tell people like in New York, there's no such thing as a Mets fan. Yeah, uh, as a Mets fan and a and a Yankees fan. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, there's no Yankee fan that's going to cheer for the Mets. No, you know, it's no, crazy. no, absolutely not. And well, I mean, California is relatively a bastard state because everybody comes from all over the country. Yeah. So you, whenever you go to games, it's not unusual. Like, if I go to a Padres game, 
like 90% of the people there are actually wearing Dodger blue, which is really <laughs> sad for the Padres. Um, but then if you sucked as bad as they did, then you probably yeah. wouldn't want to root for them either. But um, I'll probably wear my White Sox jersey when I go to my first Padres game. <laughs> I, I, haven't been, I haven't had a chance to go to one yet. but I You probably, haven't been to one? No, I, I really want to go. But oh, I, man. I want to get sushi there, and I want to wear my White Sox jersey. <laughs> I, I'm always there for at least one Dodger, yeah. uh, Dodger uh, Padres games because I actually just follow it on my phone a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's nuts, man, because this is how crazy I'll get when because I think um, uh, the, the Padres are American League or they're National League, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. So, so the Cubs are here. I think uh, they typically are here for at least a three game series. And so when the Cubs come here next year, if we make it to that game, I will wear my White Sox jersey. And every time the Cubs, like, you know, mit, you know, get struck out or lose or whatever they do, I'll be cheering w- with the Padre fans against <laughs> the Cubs. <laughs> That's how crazy I'll get. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I, I I can't even tell you. Like, I mean, I, I'm a pretty rabid Dodgers fan. Um, and the fact that this last season they decided to inject politics into some of their interviews really pissed me off. They did. Oh yeah, Dave Roberts is. I think he's an amazing coach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, general manager. Um, you know, but he decided to inject politics one time when he was being interviewed, and I was like, "You asshole!" And then guess what? The Dodgers lost it. That was. I'm not going to say it. So, anyways, yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you, I'm a pretty rabid fan. Um, you know, uh, I hate Manny Machado with a white hot passion because he was so demoralizing for the team in the last World Series we were at, you know? Yeah. Just a giant ego. Um, and I don't hate him personally. just hate his character as a player, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were sitting right behind third base, right behind the Dodgers dugout. So we got to see the whole team. It was yeah. pretty cool. Awesome. And he was there right at third base. Um, and I had my two daughters and then there was a foul ball and he came up right next to us. Uh, and then I just said some really choice words in Spanish. <laughs> and I don't know if you know, Manny Machado has been in trouble because he almost got into an altercation with fans before that have kind of antagonized him. Okay. Oh, and I, I and I went there and, and I'll say it in Spanish cause, cause, uh, hopefully this won't get censored, but you know, I screamed, I stood up and I threw my arms up and I'm like, Jinga tu madre. Right. And so, <laughs> fortunately my girls don't understand. So they were definitely like, what did you say, daddy? I'm like, nothing, just ignore me. I'm crazy. And here's the worst part. Everybody around me starts laughing and cheering for me. Yeah. And I turn around and everybody's pretty much Dodger blue in our section. <laughs> I mean, it was just a sea of blue in the stadium. Right. It's right. a sea of blue in the stadium. So yeah, man, I, it, the, the Chicago thing is not super surprising. Sports fans in the Midwest and the East actually are, um, they're pretty rabid from what I see. I think we're just dumb out here because we've turned it into gang culture, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Raiders and the Chargers, the stabbings in the parking lot. It's weird. Yeah. LA has a weird history with football. Yeah. You know, oh, um, it's horrible history. Yeah, it's, horrible history. And, and then with the, with the Chargers leaving San Diego, Losers. I thought, yeah, like, and, and them going to Orange County, like that, that's just sad. Yeah. To see Oakland leaving, going to Vegas. Yeah. Um, that's, I feel bad for the Oakland fans. Yeah. Like if you were a diehard, those were diehard fans. Yeah. And then, um, you know, they dress in that <laughs> with the face paint and and they look like Kiss. You yeah. Know, when they go to a game and like uh, the band Kiss. Um, but yeah, to see that, if you were to grow up with the Oakland Raiders and then now they're just moving to Vegas for the money. That's just, um, God, that's the, that, that's just horrible. It's horrible, yeah. man. Yeah. It, like just like with the Rams, um, with you guys, the LA getting the Rams, um, I lived in St. Louis also, and I was there when the Rams came to St. Louis. Um, so I was never a Rams fan because I'm a Bears fan, obviously. But uh, but I but d- my, during my time in St. Louis, they are really diehard sports fans in St. Louis. Yeah, 
uh, in baseball and especially hockey. No, they are. Yeah, they're diehards. And then and when they got the football team back, because the way they lost the Cardinals was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, they wanted a football team bad, and they embraced the Rams. They bought the gear. They showed up to the games. They bought tickets. And then for them I to mean, sell out. Yeah, just sell out like that. That's and then so think about that. Like ten years, you invest into a football team, become a fan. You you paint your room blue and gold if you're a kid. You know, and, I mean, it's money though. That's yeah, all it ever yeah. comes down to. It's just strictly money. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. And and if the if if the price ain't right. Then someone, then, then the owners are just going to bounce and leave and go somewhere else where there's money. Right. Yeah, and and it does matter, right? Because if you have money and you're a you're in a big money market for a team, then you have a tendency to be able to splurge and do some pretty cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at Dodgers. They're they're I mean, they're a beloved team on the West Coast, so they get a ton of resources. Yeah. Uh, but you have the Oakland A's. That's a small market team. Yeah. And they're treated like dirt. So those guys have to work off a razor thin budget because they don't have the money to go anywhere else. Right. <laughs> right? So Maybe like they are scrapping. Yeah. So like and then you got like the LA Rams, right? They wanted um what well, the LA Rams. We we wanted them, well, I don't know. I wouldn't say we. Uh, you know, <laughs> LA wanted them back. And then then they came up with that harebrained scheme of them and the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, you know, and I'll tell you again. Hate's a strong word, but I hate the Spanos family. Yeah, I said it, and I hope everybody <laughs> hears it. That's the biggest POS family on the planet in sports. Yeah. That guy is a legendary douchebag, and everybody knows it, too, in San Diego. Uh, and, man, it's personal for us. Yeah. It's personal. I stopped. I mean, I just I gave up on the football thing. I think Kaepernick was a complete idiot. Um, he's a loser, and he's a horrible player. And he dragged the the Giants down into the uh, the 49ers into the pits. Yeah. And um, just, he's not a class act, right? And then you take all that and all the stuff that was going on in the NFL, and then I finally said, you know what? This is pointless. What's the point? All these all these rich assholes make a ton of money, yeah. and they do they do these gladiator sports, which is in, increasingly becoming more like touch football rather than mm-hmm. gladiator sports. Right. And uh, I just put my bet on on stuff that I like that's still violent, like hockey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, dude. <laughs> Yeah. Red Wings app is on my phone. I'll have to tell you about the Detroit story someday. But I am a rabid red and white fan. Yeah. Well, I think I think a lot uh, hockey has increased in popularity big time, and I think it, a lot comes from um, there is something with the NFL. With there is probably too much money in it. Yeah. Uh, and I think the attitudes of the not that and we're not. It's obviously not all, everybody, but yeah. When you got players out there like Kaepernick, and um, you got owners that are ungrateful for the position that they're in and how lucky they are to be in that type of position mm-hmm. to own a, a major franchise like that. Um, yeah. I, I think it's, it gets kind of, I mean, it, it, it's kind of disgusting. It is. That, 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 it is. That, it's, that, that people with so much money could have so much to complain about that. They, they could have so much to complain about that. They can be such, yeah, like you said, ungrateful is a great word, but like I said, uh, you know, but like with Kaepernick, what he could have done, he could have done so much more. Um, what he did is just made a lot of people angry in my eyes and not really done anything to actually solve the problem. Like, of course not. You know, man. He, he could have taken his own money and and put his, you know, put that somewhere uh, and take take his own time off the field and uh, and, and pursue whatever causes he wants right, right. to. But get involved with those local communities. If yeah. there's injustice going on, I don't think anybody wants injustice anywhere. No, um, dude. Especially from nobody wants it from the government or from cops or anything like that. But um, go to the neighborhoods there and try fixing the problems. Put your money where your mouth is. And uh, but instead, you're using the platform of the NFL to, you know, like people are there on a Sunday. The last thing people want is politics and, you know, 
all this nonsense and stuff like that. If they're watching a football game, they're going there to be entertained. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing, man. Is is it's 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 just the politics part. Yeah. Right. You, the yeah. minute you inject politics into everything, which is kind of seems to permeate our society as a whole right now. Yeah. Then it just you lose interest. Like the Star Wars thing, man. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah, Star it Wars is scary. Is, yeah. Well, like it's an interesting one, right? Because um, did you know that the Russians had some involvement with the last Star Wars movie? What? Yeah, it's it's crazy stuff. So one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about everything that the left and the right have been talking about and arguing about with the election of Donald Trump and the Russians interfering with the election, um, the Russians didn't interfere like with the voting boxes and stuff like that. Sure. What what, what they were doing is um, they were just running good old fashioned social media marketing campaigns, and um, and what they would do, it's actually quite clever the way they did it, and it wasn't just political things that they did so let's the, the star wars thing is an incredible one on the star wars issue there is a lot of chatter within the star wars communities that are like on youtube and stuff uh always complaining about uh street justice warriors and mm-hmm. cancel culture and woke culture yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that yep well what the russians were doing is that all these different little subgroups a star wars group right in or whether even in sports with the kaepernick stuff uh, but all these subgroups within our society, th- what they were doing is they were setting up pages and also setting up personalities to go like talk about these things and take a very definitive side on the of the argument. So in the in the last Star Wars movie that came out, uh, not this one that's coming out this Christmas, but the last one, uh, which was actually a really horrible movie. Um, but in that last one, they 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 put a lot of ads and they they created a lot of content that said that hey, woke cancel culture, street justice warrior stuff uh, is is intertwined into your beloved Star Wars. You know, uh, cancel culture trying to take you is trying to take Star Wars and make it into something that it's not right. And yeah. and that that makes passionate Star Wars people super angry, right? Well, and and so they want to stoke the fires, but they add that little political element into it, and there's like a variable of truth to it. But, well, I think it's very true because uh, I don't follow a lot of the social media garbage that's out there these days. Yeah. But I will say this. I mean, we, we went to the last one with great anticipation. Yeah, me too. And we were just like, wow, this was sheer garbage. Mm-hmm. And then you you do read all the Star Wars fandom geeks and all that. I, I'm not one of those. Yeah. My kids are totally getting into it, but I'm not. I do it because it's nostalgic. It's Star Wars, man. Yeah. Right. But when Hamill goes off on a on a political rant and goes off that train, then all of it starts to make sense. And then you've got this idiot at the top, Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy yeah, I yeah. said it. She's yeah. a freaking retard, man. Yeah. That that lady is single-handedly going to destroy that franchise because she, maybe the Russians said this. I don't really care if they yeah. did because I, I well, think it's true. Yeah. She's destroying it. Well, yeah, she is. So that's the true part. Like, she absolutely is. But then what the Russians will do is that they take this, they take this issue Right. Mm-hmm. And then they they the, what they want to do is feed that fire. Um, so so there's like on the on the last poll. Yeah. Poll- to aggravate to, uh, to aggravate, aggravate Americans. Sides, right. 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 And, and, and that's the kind of stuff that they were doing. So a lot of stuff on Facebook was uh, targeting ads on both sides, trying to get trying to get both both sides ramped up. OK. Um, and, and, uh, the, so do you, like, do you follow Alex Jones, man? Are you an InfoWars um, guy? No, I, I don't really follow him. Okay. I, Cause this is, this is kind of conspiracy theory right here and here, man. Right. Well, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious on the Russian stuff, uh, on the Russian stuff, uh, the, it, it's legit proven out there. Like what the kind of things that they were doing. Oh, got it. And okay. so from a social media marketing standpoint, which is kind of more in my wheelhouse, um, kind of understanding, you know, how ads, how you target people 
on Facebook and Instagram or how you target people on YouTube and Google and then how you run certain types of ads that, you know, uh, you, you know, I could I could target people that live in Tennessee that are Democrats. Mm-hmm. OK. And that like Bernie Sanders. And I can also target people that live in Chicago that are Trump supporters. Right. Yeah. And I could feed and and I could feed them certain types of information to help kind of I can make something look like an official news story. Or I can make something look like an official site. And then I could I can help stoke the fires a little bit. Um, and, and that's the part that is actually the clever part. They actually did the research. They've got people there that understand our culture, understand our language, understand what makes us passionate about, which is how they even figure out that there's passionate people about Star Wars. Correct. And then they find issues and then they put a lot of time and effort to like stoking those fires. It's an incredible thing. And, and it's one of the things that doesn't get unfortunately get talked about. But <laughs> on the social on the social media side of things, you know, I, I've been because I follow what happens on the back end of Facebook and um, and Google yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. And I've seen how the advertising policies have changed and the kind of things that they have been changing. Oh, dude, they, it's, changing. it's really scary. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. It's very authoritarian. Yeah. And there's, uh, you know, considering all the, the idiots out there on the far left, uh, this Antifa f- losers or whatever, yeah, yeah. Uh, those platforms are becoming single-handedly fascist to all themselves. They right. really are. Yeah. And so, you know, they want to curate the content to the point where it only a particular message uh, or a particular brand can be emphasized or mm-hmm. highlighted or advertised, but I, I, I'm going to end up down a rabbit hole with this one. I, I just really will. <laughs> yeah. I, I, my, I think, you know, and I, I'll say offensive things and I don't really care what people think because yeah. I, I think most comedians that are waking up to the idea that the left has taken over is truly true. Yeah. The, that, that this cancel culture, this, you can't say anything right. This overly, this overtly PC culture yeah. is destroying the fabric of any conversation that could take place where we're actually stretching our minds and maybe looking at things from a different set of lenses, you right. know? And like I said, I, I have... That was the whole thing. That was Dave Chappelle's whole thing. That like, was his whole like thing. The, you know, the, the Jesse... What was it? Juicy Smoulier. Juicy Smoulier. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that was what's so great about his special, Sticks and Stones. Oh, dude, the best yeah. part was honestly the beginning, mm. right? When everybody was... He was like... He's like, I'm going to cancel you. Yeah. And then he says, you know who that is? And then some people are screaming, Trump. And he's like, nope. That's you. Yeah. <laughs> when he pointed that out, yeah. my wife or I were probably on the floor laughing hard because mm-hmm. it was amazing that he just called it out like he, he saw it. He called it straight out. Oh, and, man. It's, and, it is pretty awesome. Yeah. And listen, you know, love him or hate him, uh, you know, there's, there's elements of Obama that I, I definitely appreciated during his presidency. I, I won't say I was a fan of his, but there were elements of him that I appreciated, right? Yeah. And he recently came out and said... Oh, he, uh, told, he, he told the Democrats, you guys are going too left. Yeah, you're getting yeah. nuts. Yeah. And he even said, like, this woke <laughs> and cancel culture thing, it's off the map now. Yeah, and, and there's people on the far left that are calling him Obama conservative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, it's a crazy world. And, and, it is uh, an absolutely crazy world. Well, okay, yeah. so I, I got to go back to the Chicago discussion here oh, for yeah, a minute. Because yeah. there's, something, there's something that I think, um, I think listeners should absolutely hear about. Because I think this is amazing, man. Um, my phone keep my my computer keeps pinging. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there is um, there's a story about how unions and how the shakedowns of the past um, actually directly affected your family. Yeah, yeah. Like there was there was a crazy story I've heard. T- yeah. Tell me about that because <laughs> this this is I I think this is indicative of kind of. Um, 
why our society is kind of broken today. Yeah. And why, and, and you know why we could talk shop and stuff like that. I, I think, you know, like with me, it is learning really about people and their backgrounds mm-hmm. and then discussing the, the, the part of elevation, you know, how do we elevate these people with these really diverse backgrounds yeah. and uh, bring more uh, recognition and, and prominence to what they're doing. And, and by the way, I will say this, I, I know your work, you do some pretty amazing work, Thanks. but I don't want to turn this into a pitch. So <laughs> let's, let's turn this into well, more, let's stay on track here. Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. That's cool. I'm, I'm, it's funny that you want to hear about it too, because I always thought this stuff is fascinating. But um, you know, like our um, and the first thing we gotta say is this. So, like, preface it with, um, I don't believe unions are bad. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of good things that they've done. And Agreed. There, and, and there's still a role for the unions in the future. Agreed. But I think um, the the same uh, the same issue we're talking about is that there's no doubt that within the very top echelons of even of any organization of any political party of any corporation. Uh, what we know is that power corrupts and money is what drives that, you know, yes. money and power and however you want to label it, it corrupts people yep. and people will do things that are immoral uh, so that they can get more of it, mm-hmm. power or money or both. And, uh, and, and we've seen that happen with the unions, unfortunately. And in, uh, in our situation, uh, my dad owned a, in our, our whole Obama Reverend Wright sort of uh, our, our little it's not that we have a, a history with them, but we've had my dad had run ins with them uh, with, with more with Reverend Wright. Uh, my dad, uh, after he got out of Vietnam, uh, came back home and uh, he started a, a small little factory in the south side of Chicago. And that little factory uh, became a big factory. Uh, it took him like 20 years to do it. Uh, but, you know, it was just hard work and hustling every single day. I, I grew up not really even knowing who my dad was. Uh, mm. And not spending very much time with him at all, just because he was always working, and um, and I spent a lot of time at the factory too as a kid, on the weekends and on holidays and stuff. Um, now the factory just so happened to be right down the street from uh, the Trinity Church, which is Reverend Wright's church on Ninety Fifth Street uh, in the South Side of Chicago, um, and um, they had uh, as my dad's factory grew, uh, they had more employees coming in. They were they were running two and three shifts at the plant. And the unions, as it got big, the, it became a target for the unions, and they wanted to unionize it. Um, the bringing the union at that time, my dad's factory wasn't big enough to sustain a union and to pay. Like my my father did pay uh, everybody well, and he always paid more than what the minimum wage was at the time. Wow! Um, and 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 all the people that he hired were Mexicans too, and a lot of people that he hired were from the same state and the same in the same area where he was from in Mexico. So. Um, you know, w- we have a connection with lat- with the Latinos in Chicago and especially with the Latinos in the south side of Chicago. So there's all this history there. And my dad has guys that started with him from the very beginning that um, that, you know, grew as a company grew. They grew with him. So guys that started, you know, just working, uh, putting the things together that they did became managers and floor managers and quality control people. Uh, they used to make soap. So some of these guys uh, became batch makers for soap, but they their positions elevated and the money they made elevated too as the company grew. So that's the kind of culture he had in there. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a lot of people there that um, the company the companies no longer exist anymore, but a lot of people uh, were able to buy houses uh, that worked for right. him, uh, start their families, bring more family back from Mexico back up to Chicago. Um, it, it did a lot of good for the people that were part of it, and mm-hmm. he respected everyone. So when you tried to get in, uh, most of the people were not down for it. 
that worked for him because of that relationship they had built. Right. Um, and um, but there was a few people that wanted the union in there, and the union really wanted to get in there. So they had um, collaborated with a couple of employees. They they first attempted to get um, to 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 file a. Um, I don't know what the terminology is, but a woman claimed that she got was sexually assaulted by my dad, <laughs> and then uh, which which never happened. But um, you know, and they had to fight that. And this is just this is like they kept going and going with stuff like this. Uh, my dad, um, my dad eventually uh, was approached by some Chicago policemen. Uh, was pulled over, uh, had a gun pulled on him, and told him that you need to make a decision really fast of what you're going to do about the union. Because uh, it's not going to end nice for you, like in you know, just going to. It is what it is, right? Yeah. So, so th- um, at the 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 final, th- and there was uh, leading up to that point, there was sexual allegation things going on. There were threats going on. There was all this stuff going on. This is going on for about a year. Uh, when the cops finally got involved, and my dad said, "Holy cow!" They, you know, now they got the police. Um, that's when he got a he got some help, and um, uh, during that time, we moved from a Mexican neighborhood to a white neighborhood on the south side of Chicago called Beverly. And Beverly is all full of the Irish. That's where all the south side Irish live. <laughs> and there wasn't very many Mexicans that lived there, but there was one, and I became friends with him. And, <laughs> and, and his dad was a uh, Chicago police officer, and his dad's a pretty incredible guy. Um, he was an Air Force veteran. and So he was he, a stand-up guy. He's a stand-up guy, and he was a vice cop, uh, an undercover vice cop, He were, and worked narcotics. So like, he... Uh, he like he dressed in jeans and torn up T-shirts, had earrings, had a had a big beard, just a tough. Imagine just imagine a, a Danny Trejo type. Yeah, tough, yeah, yeah, yeah. That just was a him. Tough looking Mexican. Like yeah. growing up as kids, we were afraid of him all the time. Yeah, yeah. Because he just but that he was playing a role. He was out there busting drug dealers and yeah. stuff like that. Um, so he's the only cop my dad knew. We were best me, uh, me and uh, my friend Matt. We were best friends growing up, and he went to Matt's father and said. I, I, um, we got this union trying to get in our factory and now the cops are involved and they're telling me I got to do something. And so being in the position that, uh, that my friend's father was in, he had friends that were worked in internal affairs at the Chicago police. And he brought, he introduced uh, one of these cops to my dad and his wow. name, and his name, uh, I won't say, I won't say all these guys' names, but his name was, uh, let's just call him Mr. Um, let's call him Mr. Jesse. Right. So Mr. Jesse was this really cool guy, man. He was, he was like, he was this African-American guy, tall, always looked good. Like he was always dressed in like a beautiful suit, had a fedora, always had a cigar ready, even though it wasn't lit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he just, I mean, he just was smooth and cool. Yeah. You know, I mean, and he's kind of guy that. And Black was, Dick Tracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, but he was warm though too. Like he. So uh, genuine, huh? he's gen- right? So he's the kind of guy that he walks into a room and you feel it. Yeah, in, in a positive, he had a positive presence. Everyone yeah. went big, boisterous voice, and you just, you just, you couldn't help but not love the guy. Um, and they got him involved, and um, he set up a whole little sting operation where they brought the union to the office. Uh, he had the whole thing. Uh, they were actually videotaping and audio recording the whole thing, and um, they had, uh, they had. The, the scripts written out so that they could ask the right questions to the union guys and they got it all on tape. And then as soon as the union guys got done saying, you know, what was, what needed to happen to make the situation go away and everything else, then, you know, uh, they all come out from behind the, the, the closets oh there gosh. and say, okay guys. And they've just broke it down. Like, you know, listen, this is, this is all going to end right here. 
And, um, uh, you know, we're going to, this is all going to end. You guys are going to walk away. We have this evidence now. We can take this and go as far as you want with it, you know. And after that, the union backed off. So whatever happened to those crooked cops? Well, not who knows. Like there, there was no. It, it was, hey guys, we're gonna, we're, we have the, we have you know on tape, trying, okay. trying to do some pretty illicit, crazy stuff to get the union to come in here. Well, you know that you're involved with, and at this time now, this is where uh, uh, the church comes in. Is that um, part of the arrangement was that they were gonna have to put bring money, uh, cash money to that church, uh, to. Jeez. So, so all this stuff is. All, so, so there's all these different players involved. They got it all on tape, and then they basically the the the, the IA guys came in and said, "Listen, this is all going to end right here. That's it. We're going to end it right here. There's not going to be any courts. There's not going to be prosecutions. We're just ending it." And it ended. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, why not? Why not destroy these people? Because why not destroy them. Because no, everyone want my dad want. They they, they don't want these. They're they're trying to grow a business. Oh, they don't want. They're, the, the, they're, yeah. they're they're trying to. They don't want the attention. They don't want the fight. Yeah, and good. then just to make it worse. Right. So right. so they want to they, they want to grow a business and. They're so the implication hard. here is that 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 P P O S Reverend Wright. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> he had his he had his hands in the pocket he, he, too. He's part part of it, working hand in hand with the unions, and then and so you've got community and, and at that time this is. Before the term, I don't know if they were called community organizers back then, but this is the kind of stuff that they did. They went to businesses, they shook them down, tried to get them, whether it was to hire people from the neighborhood or give them money oh for their God. causes. Like, this is how they shake people down. And they worked in concert with the aldermen that are in the neighborhood. They, they, they work with the political officials that are there. There's all, it, it's not just, it wasn't just Reverend Wright or any of these guys. They were part of this whole machine. Yeah, this whole machine. did this, yeah. That's what you're saying. And, and, yeah. and a lot of businesses on the south side of Chicago got affected to it. I had a little bit of a touch of it when I had my factory down down there too. Yeah. Uh, but nowhere near to what um, what my dad got, what my dad had experienced. What you had experienced. Yeah, yeah. It, it was on a whole other level. What I had was just a small little brushing um, where they came by and asking for donations and all that kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, like, yeah, I think that when we saw that, you know, when Obama did win, um, I have a lot of familiarity with the area that he did the community organizing in because of my dad's factory, you know, having, uh, spent so much time at that factory, you know, driving through that neighborhood every single day, um, when I was working there and, and seeing that neighborhood develop or not mm-hmm. develop rather, mm-hmm. Uh, during that time and seeing the way it is today, um, you have a neighborhood that there has not been any type of pro- pro- progress in that neighborhood. Yep. Um, you have uh, a lot of people that are that are not doing well in that neighborhood. You, you you don't have a drop. You have more crime. You have more drugs. You have more gangbangers. So um, when I see when he came around and I saw him tout that he was his community organizer and knowing where he you know and you know knowing that he was part of that whole. You know, his days, he came after this incident happened with my dad, Obama did. So, uh, but knowing that he was part of that whole effort of community You're not organizing. a big fan. Right, right. Well, not that I wasn't a big fan. It's just that it's just so, it, it it's, um, it's Come just. On, it's, it's left a bad taste. Though. Yeah. Well, I mean, not, yeah, I'm not it, even talking it, about him not, personally. Yeah, not, not him all personally. Of that. Yeah. yeah, just all that stuff. Because then, because, so on the Latino community, what we have, what I see happening on our side of things or our side of the fence was that um, the politicians want us to feel like we're um, that we, we aren't able to take care of ourselves. Oh, yeah. That, that we need the government and we need these programs uh, and we need these politicians 
and community organizers to come in and help us because we're because we can't do it without them. Yeah. Uh, and then um, and then what happens is that we become dependent on into the system, uh, which I think they want that so that they so we go and vote for them. And I saw them do that with the African American community in the South Side of Chicago. Oh yeah. And um, yeah. And 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 I see them doing it to the Latino community in the South Side of Chicago. So like uh, and, and that's the part to me that just it makes me it doesn't make me angry. It makes me sad more and it makes me almost want to cry because like i see like people are are being uh, are being manipulated to think something that i don't believe is true like th- there is racism out there and there's institutional racism and there's bad things out there but um but everyone has to go through a set of challenges to get to wherever you're trying to get to um even white people have to go through a set of challenges <laughs> so like so like, but there's different they're different for everybody Agreed. And, no, no, no. I completely agree. And, and so, but then if you're told right from the very beginning, nope, you can't get ahead. You, you, nothing, nothing good can happen because you are the color you are, or you were born the way you are. So you're just stuck there. And your best, your best choice is to vote for me or to support me so that I can make things better for you is what I hear the politicians. And oh yeah. Well, that's, the that's, that's all, that's all politicians. I don't care if it's left or right. Yeah. Right. I mean, even the right has its own set of yeah. um, they, issues and, and it has its own set of baggage and nut jobs in there. Yeah. And yeah. you see it all the time, but okay, man, that was pretty, they was, do it too. They, yeah. No, no, the, they, the right, the, all, yeah. that's the thing again. That's why I'm, I, I definitely see myself having become a lot more middle of the road. Um, because there are points of view on both sides that I definitely agree with and I could even say identify with and people say that's impossible. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. I'm yeah. an individual human being. I can a la carte whatever the hell I want to, man. Yeah. You know, it's and, my life. And and I think that's the problem right now cuz like it's like it's almost like um like if you say it for immigration's a really good one. Like it's either you're for it or against it. Mm-hmm. And if you have anything to say that that basically doesn't say let everybody in, um, oh, you're a bad guy. Yeah, then, yeah, then yeah. You're no, a I got bad it. guy. Right? I got it. Yeah, right. I, I'm definitely not. I'm not anti-immigration. I'm pro-legal immigration, yeah. and I think that's definitely more of a right issue. But it really isn't, man. It it to that's me that's not a that's not a right me, or left issue. To me, it's really simple. If you're trying to get over here uh, legally, it costs a lot of money. Yep, and it, it it's so difficult and it's so dangerous. It costs, it, yeah, it's so difficult to come over here legally mm-hmm. that. Um, that basically it's just like if you outlaw booze or you outlaw marijuana, people are going to find a way to do it. Yep. And people are going to find a way to get in. Uh, it doesn't make sense to come in to try to go, to do it legally for many uh, Mexicans and everyone else that comes over from south of the border. So they, they do it illegally. And, um, uh, you know, it should be really simple. You, you show up at the border. You, you, bring, uh, you bring some papers. You sign, you sign a paper, you, uh, uh, the, you know, you get, you get a background check, <laughs> make sure you mm-hmm. haven't murdered anybody yeah. or raped anybody or done something horrible. And then, and then, uh, and then you get checked for any diseases or anything like yeah. that, you know, just like what they used to do in Ellis Island. And then, uh, as long as you check out, all right, get, get a stamp and get a green well, card. I, I think the problem and, with all that though, is that the people, there's the, the problem with that is the way the message is being presented is still very much the thing that you're concerned about, which is. Telling people that they're crippled, so mm-hmm. they need the government right. before they even have a fighting chance to fight for themselves. Yeah. And I think that's the problem in general. Is is the whole messaging today is like that? Not just on immigration, but any number of topics. Yeah. Right. The, Healthcare. The, the sooner we cripple you, the sooner we can force you to think, see, and do things a certain way. Right. 
And I mean, and I think that's not even, again, this is not a left or right issue or even a left or right conversation. This is probably right in the middle because the, the fact of the matter is if, if, if people want to come here, they want to do it the right way. There are ways to do it. If, and, and yes, it can cost a lot of money, but it also costs a lot of money to do it illegally too, by the way. Yeah. It's not cheap. Most of those families can't afford it. Most of them are even, they're not just undocumented here. They're undocumented in their home country, bro. Yeah. Like it's nuts. Right. So yeah. like there's, there's, there's a lot to this whole thing that I think is really kind of sad about the way our country looks at the, the, the kind of the skewed view we have on everything. There's no balance anymore. Yeah. And, and, and the same goes for, um, the same goes for our business too. There's always this very skewed balance, right? And one of the things, and I think I've talked to you about this before, I'm trying to change the narrative. Um, so I am in fact a short guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and I do have We're tall. Short guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, you know, I'm a short guy I, I, and I do have tall dreams because for me, the tall dreams is less about how I'm going to benefit or I'm what I'm going to get. Um, my idea of tall dreams is helping people accomplish theirs. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm the short guy who gets to help them do it. Right. <laughs> but I'm trying to change the narrative. And like when, when we kind of, th- if I just look at the past 45, 50 minutes that we've spoken so much about our dialogue is kind of on, on is kind of really the, the uh, dysfunctional status uh, of our, of our country as a whole at yeah. large. And then when I, if I microtize it and I just say, if I look in my own backyard, if I open the closet door, what do I see in there? And I see that same dysfunction taking place in my industry, mm-hmm. which is why I'm having these conversations with people. Cause I'm, what I'm hoping to do is shed some light and learn about what other people are doing and maybe connect with people that are looking for that next step too for themselves yeah. and find ways that we all elevate each other. Right. Oh yeah. That, and that's, that's how you grow. And that's the, and I think when you say middle of the road, what I really think, I think you're exactly right. That's where we have to be. And we really need to just say, okay, what's the problem? And how do we solve it? And then we have to try something. Yes. And then, and then if that, and then we have to say, like, okay, let's try it this way. Yep. And in a couple of years, we'll see how if it works or not. Yep. And, it, and then we can reevaluate. And then we say, let's see if this if this worked or if this was just a colossal mistake. Yeah. And then, uh, and then let's try a different tact. And in the real estate industry, we see that happening with um, the incursion of Zillow. Um, this has been going on for a long time, but yeah, by the way, uh, where's the National Association of Realtors and all this? They're oh yeah, they're, that's right. They're, they're quiet. Pretty, they're pretty silent. Well, well, their take. Um, a couple of years ago, we were at the, the NAR convention, and mm-hmm. it was in Chicago uh, two years ago. And um, at the NAR convention, at all the sessions, uh, the, from from the CEO of NAR uh, all the way down, their narrative was: we're going to not try to fight the the, the third party propagating sites. We're going to work with them. To make a better a better system and a better industry for everybody, and but but part of but I what you're saying how this is this whole big problem that we're having, it's it is showing up everywhere because um, right now we can't uh, I, I think the rank and file realtors uh, can see it happening because they're in the trenches and mm-hmm. they they it's affecting them directly mm-hmm. um, the what Zillow and Redfin and the rest are doing, and then but what happens is that the leadership has this other take. Okay, it this sounds very much like politics, like what's happening with the Democrat or Republican parties, and um, and and the problem really is that we have uh, we have dozens and dozens of MLSs stretched out all over the country, and all that data is private. It's not. Uh, it's all closed off except for the data that they give to the third party portals, 
And but um, most homeowners today don't know what the MLS is anymore, unless they, especially if they're if they're thirty years old, if they're if they're thirty five and under and bought a house, they don't know what the MLS is. Mm. They just know Zillow, they just know Redfin, they just know Trulia. They don't know the MLS uh, like our parents do, mm-hmm. knew the MLS, right? Mm-hmm. So um, th- uh, a lot of home buyers and home sellers today don't really understand what exactly the full value proposition of an agent is today. Like, yeah. the, like, like, and, and a lot of it has to do that they can get the data now online from Zillow. Zillow can tell them what their house is worth. Zillow, it may not be right or wrong, but it's, but, yeah. but, but that's, that, which is a whole other issue too. But they can get the data freely and easily. That data should be coming directly from a real estate agent. It should be. And I think that's, again, you pointed out a lot of good stuff in that, but you know, I'll say this. Um, if, if the NAR is going to, if they're going to ever um, have a lasting and creditable existence in this industry, they better start speaking up and they better find ways of innovation that far, that could far help surpass what even those third parties are doing, yeah. the aggregate websites. Yeah. And they actually could, but, you know, power corrupts and yeah. so does money. And and for people who are listening, don't know what NAR is. That's the National Association of yeah. Realtors. So, yeah. so yes, so not the NRA. Yeah. <laughs> don't get all freaked out. But don't you get but, all freaked out. But think about the similarities here. You have an uh, an organization that is very powerful um, and has a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a way that things have been done, mm-hmm. and they want to continue that. And oh, they yeah. don't want to. Di- they don't. They're not going to disrupt themselves. Um, and, I know, and, but which says a lot about who they are anyways, the way right. they think, right? But, but that's so much of our... But that, that all the stuff, all these things, that all yeah. the problems we have uh, are all coming from that we have a lot of institutions that are stuck in this is the way things are, this is the way we've always done things, and uh, who cares that the that the world around us is falling apart and burning down? Yeah, you know? <laughs> as long as we have our own. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, that's, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that's, no, totally. And yeah. <clears throat> again... That's it's a rabbit hole. It's just a rabbit hole. Yeah, but it's it's a good topic. It's one of those topics that hopefully there's going to be there are some people in the industry that really do understand it. Um, I was at I was actually at Pacific Sotheby's uh, the other day and uh, and I met the the chief marketing officer over there, uh, and she gets it. And, and like I said, and, and and so I was I was quite impressed. And 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 you'll see people out there that that are in some some positions now that understand this problem and stuff and but it needs to be talked about more and needs to be uh there needs to be more and more people uh talking about it and being aware of what exactly is happening yeah before uh, before zillow takes it over yeah before they do i don't think they will but you know you never know um <laughs> i i had one more thought and then we're gonna wrap it up yeah um absolutely. i'm curious about um oh man it was at the top of my mind too I'm going to I'm going to kick myself because I was trying to take notes on the points I wanted to hit. Yeah. And I forgot. Um, El Guapo Video Marketing. Right. They could find you online. Yeah. El Guapo Video Marketing dot com. That's okay. my website. Perfect. Uh, you know, I, and I think it's a it's a good thing to go check out. George does incredible work. He actually uh, works with some people in my team as well. Um, and I, I think you if anybody that's listening to this. Uh, ever has a need, definitely set up a consultation. You're gonna you're gonna love what George is doing. He's he's got he's got that visionary creative mind, and and we're lacking that a lot in our industry. So that's good to see that. Cause yeah, no, thanks. When I look I at half the it. cell phone videos that <laughs> realtors put on, I just want to strangle myself in the process. But 
George, it's awesome talking to you, man. This is awesome. I'm glad we got a chance to do a redo here. Yeah. Well, and look, there's like 20, 25 other topics I want to get to with you. Uh, we just <laughs> don't have enough good. time in the day. But we covered a lot here. We covered a lot. Yeah. And I hope it shocks some people because uh, that's what I aim to do, man. But awesome. Well, this is awesome coming back and uh, look forward to hearing the next episode. Okay. All Sounds right, good. Thank Thanks, you. man. All right.